If you are new with us, we are in a series called Rhythms of Grace where we're looking at the the practices and the ways of Jesus' life, and we are looking at how the way Jesus lived can help to form our lives as well. What we want to see as a church is our own behaviors and our way of thinking and ultimately our entire way of life conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We want to see his likeness formed from within uh, us uh, that will eventually come out of us. And so in January, we uh, we spent time in the Lord's Prayer. And the last couple of weeks, we've spent time uh, studying fasting and looking at what fasting or abstaining from food and other, uh, other daily necessities, what that looks like and how we can use those things to attend to God in prayer. And this morning, what we're going to look at is the intake of God's Word as a means of nourishment. His Word nourishes the human soul. Good nutrition, you know this, good nutrition and a good diet, it provides for our physical and our mental health, does it not? We know that that is the case. What and how much food we consume, it forms us by affecting our energy levels, by affecting our ability to concentrate, our ability to sleep, our moods, our physical strength and good nutrition also it promotes growth and it promotes it promotes ongoing health as well what we feed on matters intensely to our bodies. And we're coming to understand this as a church as we have been uh, experimenting with fasting as a means to attend to God in prayer. So we, we recognize that the exercise, the discipline of fasting, it strengthens our faith while also we are being confronted with how the lack of food nutrients in our bodies affects us as well. And so in a similar way, God has provided a diet that satisfies the hunger within our own souls. And that's why Jesus' disciples, after a long journey in John chapter 4, he came to a well, he was weary, and his disciples, they, they ask him if they should go and get some food. And he answers them with this answer that just baffles them. He's like, guys, I've got food uh, that you don't even know about. And they're looking at each other like, what? Did somebody give Jesus a snack? Like, what is happening in this moment? We, we don't see, we didn't see any of that. And he says, no, my food is the will, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What Jesus is getting at is that what satisfied him more than physical food was to live by the will of his father and to carry it out. And again, in Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus is tempted in the desert by the devil during a 40-day fast, the devil tempts him to turn stones, which he had the power to do, to turn stones into bread and to satisfy himself. Uh, Jesus responded to the devil by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. And, and Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes or proceeds from the mouth of God. That is, what Je- that is how Jesus answered. Answered him. Jesus was pointing to this truth that man or a woman's soul, their soul satisfaction, it comes by feasting on the revelation of God. It comes by hearing from God, by feasting on how God has revealed himself to us. Neglecting our Bibles is as disastrous to our souls as neglecting food is to our bodies. Neglecting the scriptures is, is as disastrous to our souls as it would be for us to neglect food with our bodies. We are people of the book. We are known as people of the book the world over. This is a compliment. This is not pejorative. We are, we are Bible people. We love the scriptures. 
And this book helps us to know the God who satisfies and sustains us. And so we live by the word of God. We take in the word of God. We ingest the word of God. We digest the word of God. And we meet with the very God who speaks to us through his word. Augustine, a church father from northern Africa in the fourth century, he said this so well. He said, you have formed us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. This is true for us. Our hearts are restless until we find our ultimate rest in God. And one of the ways that we know him and we are confronted by him is through his word. The Solomon in our Old Testament, he wrote a book of 31 chapters of Proverbs to live by. And as he's writing scripture, he's in Proverbs chapter 4, he gives his son or future sons uh, words of wisdom to live by. Now Solomon is being carried along by the Holy Spirit at this moment and he's writing the Bible. And he says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Keep them within you for their life. My words, the word of God is life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And then he charges his son. He says, keep your heart with all vigilance or diligence for from the heart, from the interior life flow the, the wellsprings or the springs of life. In Psalm 119 of your Old Testament, uh, the writer says, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, God, as is your way with those who love your name. And then King David in Psalm 42, he says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This is not a kitschy little saying to put on your t-shirt or your coffee cup. This is a picture of a deer in the wilderness panting for water, needing to drink and to have thirst satisfied. And David likens himself and us to a deer who is panting. <sighs> that, that, that action that says, I need something to satisfy me. I need rest. In the Bible, we have God's very words to us. Yeah, men wrote the scriptures. Some people will argue against us saying, well, the, the Bible is just a, a, a book written by men. Jesus' apostle Peter he affirms that men wrote the scriptures, but that they did so as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men wrote the scriptures as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then the Apostle Paul in our New Testaments, he would remind a young uh, pastor in training named Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He would say, he would remind him of the nutritional value of the scriptures. He'd say this, all scripture is inspired or breathed out by God. And all scripture, the entire record of it, Old Testament and New Testament, is valuable or profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be complete. And then I love the New King James Version. They add this word, thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for every good work, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly, completely equipped for every good work. We're learning this. We're coming to understand that the scriptures ultimately are all about Jesus. He said it himself in Luke chapter 24, saying all of the law and the prophets and the writings point to him. He rebuked the Pharisees for saying that they looked at the scriptures to find life, but they miss 
the risen Christ in the scriptures, this word of the coming Messiah. The Old Testament, what he was getting at is the Old Testament longs for this Messiah, foreshadows this coming Messiah, and describes this coming king and kingdom. And then the New Testament, as we read our New Testaments, the New Testament pulls back the curtain, showing us that this king, he has a name, and he has a zip code, Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one who is our substitute. Through faith in him, our sins are laid upon him, and his righteousness is gifted to us. All of it grace. We receive gift righteousness. You and I know we are not righteous in and of ourselves. If we are going to be righteous in the sight of God, it's going to have to be transferred to us. Theologians call this the great exchange. Our sin laid upon him, his righteousness given in exchange to us. And So every time we let that good news sit on us and then pin us down to grace, we breathe this collective exhale. <sighs> as we recognize, as our hearts take in another meal that satisfies our soul hungers for another day. So this morning, uh, as an exercise, I want to provide you with three simple exhortations or ways uh, that are paramount to our spiritual formation, that are paramount to seeing the character and the likeness of Jesus Christ formed in us from the inside out. And so my three points are going to be hear the word, read the word, and pray the word. And then next week, we will cover three more. We'll cover the study of God's word, the meditation on God's word, and uh, the memorization of God's word as well. So my first point, hear the word. So the, word that we, the words that we hear, they nourish us, and the words that we hear, they form us. Donald Whitney, he's done significant work on spiritual disciplines. He says this, no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for the intake of God's word. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and the meat of scripture. The Bible teaches us the story of God's holiness, the story of our own crash and insubordination against him, his ongoing patience with us and the life-saving lengths that he has gone to rescue us from destruction. And these are shown most evidently. These lengths are shown most evidently to us in Christ Jesus. And the scriptures offer us promise after promise after promise after promise that we feast on. Don Whitney goes on to say, Regardless of how busy we become with all things Christian, we must remember the most transforming practice available to us today is the disciplined intake of scripture. The most transforming practice available to us today is the disciplined intake of Scripture. God's Word forms us as we take it in. And then we live Jesus' words and His commands out. One of the ways that we take in the Scriptures is through the hearing of God's Word. As we hear God's Word passively and actively, it's one of the simplest ways that we can consume and ingest the Word of God. The words that we hear on a regular basis, they shape us. I was with a pastor friend recently who was telling a group of us uh, uh, how his mother used to speak to him. No little boy on the planet should ever hear a mother speak to her son the way that he heard his mother speak to him. 
The things that she said to him pierced his ears and still slash at his soul, mangling the way that he views himself in life. He still struggles greatly with depression, anxiety, and a low sense of his own worth. Wife and kids in the home, on his own, out from under mom, but still struggles in these ways because of her abuse. The words that we take in can heal us, and the words that we take in can do great harm to us as well. Lately, a handful of us have been studying abuse, and particularly emotional and verbal abuse, and the way that these words strip a person of their true identity. A person is, becomes formed by this evil speech that assaults and batters their ears. And eventually what happens over not much time, but roots itself deeply as the abused person begins to believe what is being spoken to them. They believe this new identity, this new word spoken over them as these words um, keep them hostage to the torment of their abuser. That will not happen here as a church family. I want you to understand that as a church, we endeavor to take a stand and to create space, literally to hold space for those who have been assaulted through physical abuse, through emotional abuse, through verbal abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, any kind, spiritual abuse, any kind of abuse. We will move to take the aid of the victim and we will move to create strong boundaries for those who are accusing and abusing people in their care. We love both parties, but in very different ways. So I want you to know if that is happening in your world, if that is happening in your home, if that is happening in your life, we will make mistakes. We will do, we will help imperfectly, but you need to understand that we will be a safe place for you and we will intervene as we best can. Now, the Bible has much to say about how words shape us, right? The content of the Bible is the opposite of abusive. The content of the scriptures is life-giving. The words of life are found in the mouth of Jesus Christ. He's giving some hard teaching in the New Testament, and a bunch of people just bailed on him in that moment. And he looks at his disciples, and he says to his disciples, are you going to leave me now too? Are you going to abandon me? And they look at each other and like, where, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Like, where are we going to go? We're going to park ourselves around the sum and center of creation. We recognize that you're a man unlike any other man that we have ever encountered. We don't quite know that you're Messiah. We haven't gotten there yet, but you are different. And you seem to have words that nourish us, though we can't necessarily explain it. The words of God pleasant words, Proverbs 16 says, are like a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and they're healing to the bones. They heal us. One of the simplest ways that we can take in God's words is through hearing his words. I've heard many of you say that you love to listen to worship music. You'll just during, over the course of your day or your drive, you're looking to have your perspective shaped and you'll just turn on worship music. One of the beautiful things about worship music is that much of it, some of it's total garbage, and a lot of it is like formed by the words of scripture, either by, by 
collating truths and summarizing truths of God's Word, or just by outright, like just saying it and building upon the Psalms or other truths in the Scriptures. And so, as the Word of God is taken in, we recognize as we listen to through music or other means, our faith is strengthened. Romans 10, 17 says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing. How, do, how does this faith come? It comes by hearing. What do we hear? We hear the word of Christ. Something as simple as hearing God's word can strengthen our faith. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, uh, this woman calls out to Jesus and says, blessed are you. And Jesus turns to her and he says, no, blessed are rather those who hear the word of God and keep the word of God. Those who hear the word of God and those who do the word of God. I doubt church all of life that you would get out of bed in the morning and drive down here to just drink some coffee with a bunch of people that you've never met or hardly know, sing some top 40 songs from the radio, and then listen to an inspiring message that I found on the internet. Like you're not going to, like that's not probably what gets you out of bed in the morning to drive down here, is it? You come here to feast on God's word. You come here to take in God's word. You come here to eat and be filled to hear the word of God proclaimed, to hear the word of God explained, to hear the word of God recited, to, as you know you're not alone with your brothers and sisters, to hear the word of God sung through the songs that we sing, to hear it prayed. God's word is central, and we hear it widely on Sundays. And some of that hearing is passive for us, but much of it is very active. And I don't know how many of you have connected corporate worship uh, to your spiritual disciplines, but this gathering on the first day of the week, not the last day of the week, the first day of the week, Sunday, it is a, a weekly spiritual discipline. Why? We are forgetters, and we come and we gather here to remember that we are not alone and to remember our God and to be confronted in the best possible ways and sometimes in painful ways by his word. So Sunday is a weekly rhythm of God's grace that is vital to our spiritual life, and it works to anchor our faith. If all we had was Sundays, we would be famished in the same way that if all you had was one meal a week, you too would be famished. But those who don't even have corporate worship, in my experience, as a rhythm of their life, are rarely spiritually healthy unless they're connected in, in some vital way to intentional steps of discipleship. So church, this question is before you. What, do you. what does it look like for you to prioritize the hearing of God's word in your day? Perhaps maybe you mix up what you listen to over the course of your drive. Maybe you commute, and it's a decent commute. So you listen to podcasts one way. What does it look like for you to just open up a Bible app on your phone that has a decent reading voice and let the Scriptures just read aloud to you? Let God's Word just pour into your ears. You're going to be daydreaming. You're going to be thinking. You're going to be just kind of off in la-la land at times. And then there's going to be these moments where... Like, it just hits you like a bomb. And I think creating space where God's Word just washes over us is really good, where we're taking it in passively and actively. You might listen to the Gospels, or you might visit a book of the Bible that you haven't been in for quite some time and just expose yourself to it. We know as we do that, we're not exactly studying God's Word. We're just creating space for God's Word to penetrate our thinking. We're looking for the promises of God. We're looking for evidence of His character. We're looking at examples and, and, and recognizing examples of those who trusted God when the cards were stacked against them that helps to build our own faith and trust in Him. Many 
of our community groups uh, dedicate a decent portion of our time to reading the scriptures out loud together and then reciting what we are listening to. We've got five community groups right now. They're pretty well packed to the gills. Uh, if you have a desire to uh, open up your home to share a meal and you say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm open and I will be more than welcome to more than willing to open the scriptures and search them with people that I don't know very well, but that I want to get to know very well. And uh, I would love to just consider how we can pool our resources and serve those who, uh, who need to be served. I would love to talk with you. Come and talk with me at the end of our gathering. If, uh, if community is something that you're not yet giving yourself too, but want to engage in. We need a more space for people who are finding all of life as a church home to be able to engage in regular relationship. We view Sunday as like one pedal on a bike, and if you're only pedaling by pumping one pedal, you're not going to go very far, and you're going to get tired really, really, really quickly. But where we embed ourselves in community and in discipleship throughout the week, and we have that regular rhythm of Sundays as well, they function like two pedals on a bike that help forgetters like us continually remember the work of God in our lives. So we hear the word of God in so many different ways. Sunday is one of those ways. But another way that we can take in God's word and be nourished by it is by reading the word of God. See, the words that we read, they instruct us and they read us. We have two incredible privileges at our disposal that the average follower of Jesus rarely uses. One is literacy and one is the phys a physical copy of God's word in front of us. Just 500 years ago, we didn't have the Bible in English. It was illegal. You would be killed for holding the Bible in English. It could only be translated in Latin or the original languages. In, in 1820, only 12% only of the world's population was literate. 12%. That means 88% of the world's population in 1820 was illiterate. Now, 200 years later, those numbers have almost flipped. In 2016, approximately 14% of the world's population is illiterate, and 86% is literate. We don't have excuses for not reading. You're interested in something, you can research the heck out of it. Can you not? And the scriptures we tend to neglect. Barna is a research group for uh, for those in the Christian tradition, uh, looking at, um, at trends within Christian traditions, and they report that only 5% of U.S. America or, or of, of, of those in the U.S., adults in the U.S., uh, interact with the Bible on a frequent basis. Only 5%. That's not just Christ followers. That's all adults in the United States. Only 5% of adults in the U.S. use or interact with the Bible frequently. And this includes not just reading, but also listening. So what that means and what that tells me and what I deduce from that is that our centeredness on the scriptures, it's being pushed out by other things that we're giving our attention to. And there are a lot of really, really, really good and valuable and noble and godly and honorable things that we are giving our attention to. And yet the centrality of God's word is still being pushed out. So ask yourself this, in your daily life, what is pushing out the regular intake of God's word? In your life, the person in your seat, the things that you're giving yourself to, what is pushing out, crowding out the regular daily intake of God's word. I stole a quote from John Piper and repurposed it. We're going to throw it up on the screen here. Uh, one of the great uses of media and phones will be to prove at the last day how lack of time is not a reason for how little attention we devote to God's word. One of the, re one of the great uses media, phones, social media will be to prove at the last day, will be to stand in judgment against us. 
showing that lack of time is actually not an excuse for us for how much we devote to God's word. So I don't set this quote in front of you to, to, to shoulder you with guilt and to ask you to do more with your life and with your time, but I do lay it before you to ask you to reorder your use of time. What does it look like for you to reorder the way that you are using your time? So many of us in this room, we lament that we don't hear from God clearly, specifically, or often. We don't sense his presence in our own lives. At the same time, we devote so little of our attention to posturing ourselves to hear from him. This is just truth. This is just like self-assessment. I know it's like it can be hard to hear, but we must see what's really there in our own lives. God speaks to us through his word. And so if we would define communication as both speaking and also as listening, we can be greatly helped by understanding that, that prayer in our own lives, it comes with a similar push and pull. Half of our own prayer life is speaking to God, spilling our guts before him, but another half of our prayer life is by making ourselves attentive to him. How do we attend to God? How do we hear the voice of God in our lives? Through his word is a primary means to hear the heart of God, the ways of God, the promises of God to us, the instruction. The word is profitable for rebuking, for, for instruction, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. When challenged by the Pharisees, Jesus responded often to them. They were the, the, these religious rulers of the day. He would respond, have you not read? Have you not read? You're claiming to be a Bible person, but it doesn't appear that you have actually read the scriptures. You're holding to the traditions of men over the word of God. The apostle Paul would exhort this young pastor in training, Timothy, to devote himself to the public reading of scripture, to be ready also in season and out of season. How is a person going to be ready in season and out of season, but by reading and exposing ourselves to God's word? A man named David Watson he died in 1984. Cancer took his life. And perhaps the greatest living theologian now, in my opinion, a man named J.I. Packer, uh, he said that this David Watson fellow was one of the best or was the best clergyman or churchman in all of England at the time. Uh, he, David Watson would say this quote just before uh, cancer, uh, the, the operation for the cancer that would eventually take his life. He said this, as I spend time Chewing over the endless assurances and promises to be found in the Bible, so my faith in the living God grew stronger and held me safe in his hands. God's word to us, especially his word spoken to us through the Bible, is the very ingredient that feeds our faith. If we feed our souls regularly on God's word several times each day, we should become robust spiritually, just as we feed on ordinary food several times each day and become robust physically. Nothing, he says, is more important than hearing and obeying the word of God. Nothing is more important than hearing and obeying the word of God. When you read your Bible, this is practical advice. Don't just poke around and start at a new place every time you're reading the scriptures. Just like we, uh, we explored with fasting, anytime you come to um, and want to fast, it would be good to do so with a plan and with a purpose in mind. And when we read the scriptures, we should, as a regular practice, do so in a similar way. Come with a plan in mind. One thing that I would encourage you to do as well is to read through the scriptures at a decent pace. Just read at a, de at a decent clip. 
Don't worry about catching all of the nuggets. Reading at a, at a, a, a strong pace or a quick pace, it's different than a deep dive into the scriptures. So what I'm advocating for is just gleaning from the surface. Letting your Bible podcast read to you or just reading swaths at a time. Read through an entire book in one sitting. Do it three, four, five, six times and just continue to glean what is there. Um, when something perplexes you and when you want to look into it, then study it and dive in. But know this, that you don't have to. You don't have to every time. You don't have to live under this, this, this lifestyle of guilt that you're not squeezing everything out of the scriptures. The scriptures are alive. They will continue to teach and to speak to us over the course of our lives. And so you can just keep going and you can read in broad, broad sweeps. You can read for exposure. Uh, think about it like this. Uh, coffee tasting on a Friday night. What is it for? It's for studying coffee. It's for getting that coffee, the acidity, and the hints, and the notes, and all of it, getting it on your tongue, and for studying it. But drinking coffee on Monday morning, what is it for? It's for exposure, right? You're getting that mess in your body so that it will give you some energy in your day. You're just trying to get it in. And that's what I'm talking about with reading broadly in the scriptures and quickly, there's a place for Bible reading like that where we're reading for exposure. And as well, as you read broadly and you feed on the scriptures frequently, learn to pray the Bible. Learn to pray from God's word. So this is my last point. Pray the word of God. Scripture-fed prayer. Remember that phrase. Scripture-fed prayer. It allows God to guide the conversation. I know this feels like an awkward one for many of you, especially if you've gathered with us in pre-service prayer or gathered uh, for a time as I'm opening the Bible and asking you guys to pray from it and to let the words of the Scriptures form your prayers. Like praying from the Bible, it's a pretty foreign, from an open Bible, is a pretty foreign concept for, for many of us. Um, because we have maybe a sense that if we're not praying spontaneously in the moment, then it's not genuine. And this is a place where, over the course of church history, theologians and, and everyday Christians have used guided prayers, written prayers, to kind of get us into a way of thinking that opens up our creativity, that opens up our understanding. And what better to use to guide our prayers than the very words of God himself? So if we believe that our prayers are not genuine unless they're prayed spontaneously, I want to say nothing could be further from that truth. The Psalms are a prayer book. Did you know that? They're written for the church to be sung as prayers and prayed as prayers. That's why they're in our Bibles. God has given us the Psalms to teach us to pray. And I wonder how many of our prayer lives would just open up like crazy if we learned to pray from open Bibles, praying from a Psalm and letting God drive the conversation. You know this in conversation, when somebody starts it generally, that's the person who kind of guides the conversation. Praying from an open Bible is the same thing. We're letting God guide the conversation. As we come to his word, we take it in, we circulate it through our hearts, and then we offer it back to him in prayer. <clears throat> a man named Daniel Henderson uh, is a mentor of mine, and he is the one who taught me to pray from an open Bible. And when he first started teaching, it was like super, super awkward. We are doing it on these, on these Zoom calls online, these conference calls with other people from all over the country, and he'd open up a passage, and then we'd just be, we'd be praying in this video chat. And, uh, and it was really, it just felt really clunky and awkward to me at first. But I want you to listen to this quote and understand the truth here. 
This is what he says. He says, by conviction and experience, I've concluded that the most creative and effective prayers spring from the inexhaustible treasury of the Word of God. Thousands of times I've watched the Bible expose hearts, guide language, unite diverse interests, and create powerful moments of remarkable prayer impact. There's nothing more thrilling, he writes, than watching a diverse group of Christians brought into unity and transformation as eyes and hearts are open to pray from the scriptures. I'm a man who is learning to pray. I've lived the majority of my life as a functional atheist, though I've claimed Christ. Prayer has been something that has been so, so, so difficult. And over the last two to three years, I've gone on a deep dive of personal learning myself and reforming my way of life and just how I, how I live and learning it feels like to pray for the very first time as a 40-year-old guy. And I can tell you that while scripture-fed prayer, it feels awkward at first, it is an investment that we must give ourselves to because it opens up a whole new way of praying for us. It's revolutionized my prayer life. Here are a couple of ways, a few ways that the scripture-fed prayer um, have helped me as I've been learning to pray, and it will for you too. As we l use the Bible to shape our own prayers, uh, it has brought focus to my wandering mind. How many of us here struggle with a wandering mind? Yeah? Hands up. Like, come on. Uh, it's true, right? The, it almost feels like the moment that we try to quiet ourselves, get in a quiet space, the kids are sticking fingers and toes under doors and all of that. And like, like when we try to quiet ourselves, our minds just like ramp up and the task list and the conversations, you got to text this person and this, that, and the other. I've noticed that as I am praying from an open Bible, my mind is fixed and has something to anchor itself on. So it goes off to the side, and then it has somewhere to come back to. It's been a real, real benefit. Another way is it's helped me to recall the truth of what I read earlier, later in the day. Because what happens as you're praying from the Bible is you get this kind of devotional understanding, and it actually turns into a kind of study. And the Word of God actually penetrates your heart and your thinking and just lodges itself there. I remember praying last week with a group of guys that we don't look to horses and chariots as our strength. Like, we don't do that anymore, but there are things in this life and in this world that we look to for our means of strength. And the psalm was talking about we don't look to the strong things of the world to give us strength. We look to the God of all creation. He is the one who gives us strength. And so even in this moment as I'm talking to you spontaneously, I can remember what I was praying with this group of guys. Additionally, it helps me pray about, about a broader range of subjects and things. It gives me new language to pray. Um, additionally, I have no doubt that I'm praying in tune with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as I'm praying from an open Bible, from His Word. I don't pray the same old things in the same old ways either. I discover that I'm satisfied with these new truths, that they, they come only through this combination of God's Word and prayer. And then a last one that, I, that has just kind of tickled me. I've just, I've loved it because of uh, how it makes me feel. I lose track of time praying now. I never did that before. It's always like, check the watch. Are we done yet? It's sad. But as I'm praying from the scriptures, I, it, it just, it gives me language and it just sets my mind going and gives me creative ways and things to pray for that I ordinarily wouldn't. And I begin to lose track of time praying. And have you ever regretted time spent in prayer? And we do so little of it. 
It's communion with God. It's communion with the God who is there, the God who speaks, and he speaks to us through his word. So here's where we will uh, end today. This is a point of application. Starting tomorrow at 5 a.m., I believe, we are going to do a week of prayer and fasting, if you wish, uh, where we have a um, we, we have a, a page set up on our website, alloflife.church forward slash prayer. Um, you can find it on our website. You can find it on social media as well. What we intend to do during this week of prayer and fasting is to engage in these disciplines as a unified family. And so there's a calendar that you can opt in with on the website, and it will ask you to just block out either a 30-minute chunk or a 60-minute chunk, and you can schedule your own prayer. It'll even update with your calendars, whatever calendar you use, in these 30 or 60-minute increments. And so as each person opts in and chooses a time slot, what it's going to do then is populate a schedule right below that on the website that shows everyone in our church and the different times that they're praying so that we can kind of look in and see one another as a unified family engaging in prayer. Now, you might not have, you might not, like 30 minutes is like, whoa, I'm not ready for that. I'll do five. Take a 30-minute chunk and just pray your five then. This is not a law. We're not, put, we're not like strapping you down like that. We want you to engage in prayer. And, if, and there's only one time slot available for each hour of the day. So if somebody has one when you want to pray, just grab a different one and then still pray where you wanted to pray in the day. But that will help just populate numerically so that we can kind of see man hours given to attending to God in prayer. Now, if you would like to fast as well, please do. Fast from one meal. Fast from two. Do a daytime fast. Do a 24-hour fast. Fasting from food or from something else that you depend on on a regular basis, it will intensify your prayer life. And it will help you to carve out a half an hour or 60 minutes should you choose to. And if you don't go the full length of what you signed up for, don't put a law on your own back that then makes you feel guilty and want to quit next time it rolls around. Be gentle with yourself. God's gentle with you through Jesus Christ. Look what he's done for us. He's kind. Um, I wanted to say something else, but I forget what it was. So we'll end there this morning. Uh, Father, um, give us a hunger for your word. Make us a praying people. A devoted a devoted people. I think about uh, the disciples in Acts. Oh, time and time again, it speaks of them devoting themselves to prayer, devoting themselves to the Word, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we have in our New Testaments. Help us, as your people, make time in our days for the most important things. And free us to love and believe that Jesus Christ is our justifier, not our Bible reading, and not our prayer time. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.